Hello, and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dolman. Today, we are joined by quite a number of folks, and I am very excited to have you all meet them. We are joined by, and I'm going to have to read because I have a lot of names and a lot of titles. First, Jared Randall. Jared is the James City County Assistant Fire Marshal. Welcome, Jared. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. We're also joined by Lauren Tolley. Lauren is a frequent guest on the podcast, and Lauren is the James City County Housing Supervisor. Welcome, Lauren. Hey, Renee. Good morning. Glad to have you. And we're joined by Lindsay Lopez. Lindsay is the James City County Homeless Prevention Coordinator. Welcome. Thanks. Hi. Glad to have you. And then two additional brand new folks on the podcast is Karen Griffith. Karen is the Continuum of Care Coordinator for the Planning Council. Hi, Karen. Hi, Renee. Thank you for having me. Glad you're here. And finally, Greg Riley. Greg is the housing navigator for the Williamsburg House of Mercy. Welcome. Good morning, everyone. So glad to have you all here. As I mentioned, we have some new faces with us, specifically our community partners at the Planning Council and Williamsburg House of Mercy. Karen and Greg, could you tell us a little bit about what the mission is of your organizations as it relates to housing? We'll start with you, Karen. I'd love to, Renee. So the Planning Council is a nonprofit that engages and collaborates with community organizations that serve households experiencing homelessness to improve service delivery and make homelessness rare, brief, and non-reoccurring. The Planning Council has been a partner with the Greater Virginia Peninsula Homeless Consortium since 2012. The GVPHC uh, provides homeless assistance resources to the localities of Hampton, Newport News, Pocosin, and the counties of James City and York. Very good. How about you, Greg? Well, the Williamsburg House of Mercy is also a nonprofit that works in the area um, trying to rehome homeless people. Um, we work with our community partners in James City County, City of Williamsburg, and York County um, to help with clients. Um, Williamsburg House of Mercy also has some auxiliary services to help with people with um, food insecurity um, and, and things issues along that as well. All right. Very good. Thank you. So Lauren, I understand that recently pretty much everyone on the screen, ha in addition to others, participated in the point in time count, which is actually what we used when we started the last series of the podcast. It was our very first episode. And it's normally the point in time count is held in January. So can you give us a little bit of head, a heads up on what you all found this year? Sure. So that's correct. The team that you see here today, um, we did complete the point in time count during the last week of January. And before we start delving into some of the details, I think it's important to define some of the terms that we use for our viewers and listeners who may not be as familiar, so that way they have a better understanding of what we do. So like we mentioned in previous podcasts, we try to keep at the forefront of our mind what a trauma-informed response looks like. So that means awareness about the language that we use and the ways that we interact with people. We always want to come from a place of kindness and respect for the individual that we're serving. And this reflects not only our family values, but the values that those who are part of the housing provider community uphold as well. Um, and like Karen shared, the James City County Housing Office is part of the COC or Continuum of Care. And so Karen, being the COC coordinator, is going to share with you more about our COC. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lauren. So the purpose of the continuum of care is to promote community-wide collaboration towards the goal of ending homelessness. 
This is done through coordinating services to quickly rehouse individuals and families experiencing homelessness while minimizing the trauma and dislocation caused by caused to uh, individuals and families and communities impacted by homelessness. We, we work to promote access to effectively to affect the utilization of mainstream uh, mainstream resources as well as housing intervention programs for households experiencing homelessness to optimize self-sufficiency and improve quality of life. So everyone who is here today from the Planning Council to House of Mercy to James City County employees participated in this year's point in time count, correct? That is correct. Um, and the point in time count or the pit count as we refer to it is a count of sheltered and unsheltered people who are experiencing homeless night on a single night in January. HUD requires that Continuums of Care or COCs conduct an annual count of people who are experiencing homelessness, who are sheltered in emergency shelter, transitional housing, and safe havens on a single night. COCs also must conduct a count of unsheltered people who are experiencing homelessness, and each count is planned, coordinated, and carried out locally. So to provide a bit of context about uh, what data is collected for the sheltered and unsheltered count, uh, the GDPHC sheltered count was uh, completed utilizing data collected from emergency shelters and victim service providers, as my colleague Lauren alluded to. Uh, the GVPHC coordinated the 2024 unsheltered point in time count by organizing six teams comprised of 21 trained volunteers. Uh, the areas that the teams are assigned to is determined by the geographical, geographic location and catchment area that they serve. Uh, the team that was assigned to James City County covered the entirety of the county, uh, as well as Upper York County. There was another team assigned to cover the city of Williamsburg. All six teams of volunteers were instructed to survey people experiencing homelessness outside in abandoned buildings, vehicles, and encampments. Uh, to incentivize uh, individuals to participate in the survey, people are offered hygiene kits, non-perishable food items, hand warmers, bus passes that all have been donated to the GVPHC by our community partners. I would really be interested in finding out what everybody's experience was on this point in time count. And Jared, because I know that you may have to get up and run at any point in time, we're gonna go ahead and start with you. Um, sure, yeah, this was my second year participating in the point in time count. Uh, last year, I really wasn't sure what to expect, and I was unaware of really the wide array of services that the Upper Peninsula James City County team is able to offer, in addition to the temporary shelter. Um, that's really what I was expecting. Um, you know, I was expecting to go out and inform people, hey, there's a shelter available. And that was it. And it really wasn't. So much more to it. Um, this year, uh, contact with those that were homeless was drastically reduced from what I saw last year. Uh, the citizens that we were able to contact uh, seemed to be accepting to the additional help um, and they were already receiving some services provided by Upper Peninsula James City County team. Well, again, Jared, thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast. I am going to say that again, as an uh, assistant fire marshal, you may have to jump up and run at any right. point. I hope you can make it through the rest of the podcast, but if not, I hope so. yeah, us too. So thank you. How about you, Lauren? What were your experiences compared to last year? 
Sure. So I've completed the point in time count for going on about 10 years in different localities and in different states as well. This was my second year doing it in James City County. And I will say that, um, like Jared, anecdotally, I think the number of people that we came across was um, drastically reduced compared to last year. Um, but I can't speak for the shelter count. And I know Karen's going to give some more information about that data later on. Um, I think that it's really important to emphasize that this is a community effort. It's not just the county, but it's really important that our community partners participate and that we educate the community as well. Um, our housing providers know a lot about the point in time count, but local citizens and um, you know, constituents don't always know. And I think that education is really the key to helping um, provide more funding and provide more resources to those who need it and getting it to them as quickly and effectively as possible. I'm gonna let Lindsay share a little bit also um, because she's done this for a while as well. Yeah, so this is my fourth year um, doing the point time count, um, second year here. Um, and previously I lived in Dallas um, where I did the point time count. So for me, it's you know drastically different the you just experience of going out and and doing it. Um, you know, you obviously here you have significantly less you know fewer encounters with people than you would in a major metropolitan area. Um, but you're also having to trek through the woods, and um, you know it's less like climbing up on overpasses as it you know I was used to. Here you literally have to, you know, go hiking in order to find these encampments. Um, and I think, you know, it's to talk about a little bit um, the timing that we start. Um, what did we start this year at 5? 5.30. So you, in the morning. So because we want to try to catch the people before they, you know, get out, get out of their um, places and head out for the day. Um, and, you know, you get a lot of funny looks, I think, from um, people whenever you're just walking around at that time of the morning. But um, yeah, so it's definitely been interesting to, to see here. One of the other things that's really important to mention is that this year was warmer than typically most years are. Okay. Um, we intentionally do this on the coldest night of the year. Um, and, and that's done with a purpose. And so um, while it was nice that it is warmer, um, <laughs> it typically is very cold. And we do this count regardless of the weather. So whether it's raining, snowing, sleeting, um, or it's you know sunny and 75, we, we do this point in time count no matter what. And that's true for all localities across the country who completed as well. Uh, this is my second point in time count, um, but my first one in the field um, last year. I participated, but I was at Williamsburg House of Mercy to try and catch anybody who may have been missed in the field count or uh, in the shelter count. So this was a far different experience, um, hiking through the woods in the very early morning hours, um, looking for encampments. Um, but it was uh, very rewarding when you see people who we had seen at House of Mercy at, at the day shelter and stuff like that who are receiving services. And, and then there was a conversation that we had during the point in time count um, with Jared. He was asking about a couple of people who were identified last year during the point in time count. And it, it was kind of rewarding to be able to tell him that those two individuals were housed. That That's huge. That That's amazing. So Lindsay, are there any anecdotal pieces of information that you can share with us about the number of individuals surveyed? 
Yeah, so well, compared to last year, the amount of people we surveyed um, on the Upper Peninsula and in James City County that were sleeping outside was significantly less. Okay. Can you give us any idea of why that might be? From a provider's perspective, we believe it means that more people are using housing resources and the services that are provided to them, um, and our programs are working. People who are being served through our shelter and rapid rehousing programs are staying housed, and our prevention program is operating effectively, um, and then those experiencing homelessness are utilizing resources like emergency shelter. Okay, Karen, can you tell us, how does James City County compare with the rest of the peninsula? Uh, thank you, Renee. So the Planning Council is working to confirm the data rec uh, regarding the 2024 point in time count. Our homeless management information systems data team uh, is extracting the data from the unsheltered and sheltered count uh, to finalize this year's data. However, I can give you some insights on last year's data. So in the city of Williamsburg, uh, they had a total of 44 persons identified during the point in time count. Uh, seven of which were unsheltered, uh, and 37 were sheltered. Uh, the localities uh, on the lower peninsula had 436 persons identified during the point in time count, 28 were unsheltered, and 408 were sheltered. So the Planning Council does provide a detailed report of information on the point in time count on our website, hamptonroadsendshomelessness.org. This data includes um, specifics on age, gender, household composition, veteran status, and other specific population indicators so that we can identify uh, the types of folks that are experiencing homelessness. Um, in comparison, persons identified in James City County, Williamsburg, and York County comprised 7% of the total population identified during the point in time count. And in 2022, the numbers of of persons identified in this area was 22% of the population of the total population identified during the point in time count. So the point in time count data is used by the Department of Housing and Urban Development as well as the state of Virginia as a metric to understand the needs in communities for continued allocation of financial resources. Between 2022 and 2023, the peninsula saw a 15% increase in the total number of persons identified experiencing homelessness. This demonstrates the need for a diverse range of housing intervention programs to meet the needs of communities to end homelessness. These state and federally funded programs include outreach, homeless prevention, emergency shelter, rapid rehousing, and permanent supportive housing. Not only have we identified an increase in the number of people experiencing homelessness, but we've also seen an increase in the services needed by these households to become self-sufficient. Programs are evolving to meet these needs and funding is essential to supporting that work. So Lauren, what can you tell us about funding for these programs? Sure, so from James City County's perspective, um, currently James City County receives funding from federal, state, and local resources for our housing programs. Um, our specific programs mentioned uh, by Karen are the emergency shelter, rapid rehousing, and our prevention funds. And those come directly um, from the state or the Commonwealth. And we're always seeking additional funding opportunities that we may be eligible for. And we work in partnership with other county departments and our community partners like the Planning Council and House of Mercy um, to submit competitive applications for funding throughout the year. So can you all share from a provider level, 
some of the ways that y'all working to help people remain housed in with the funding that you currently have? So we do have financial assistance program to help people with rent assistance and things like that and eviction prevention. Um, so somebody who is, is facing that sort of situation, uh, we would typically refer them to that office. And unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge in that particular area um, for, for assistance. On the other side of um, the, our programs, you, you have the homeless that we're working with. And when somebody comes to the House of Mercy, um, of course, we're going to direct them to our um, community partners for whatever resources they can access with that. Um, if they need assistance with um, getting an income, um, you know, a lot of people who come to us don't have uh, basic needs um, so such as SNAP or EBT. Um, that would be helpful to them. So we want to make sure that they are getting those um, um, benefits um, that are going to help them successfully in housing. Uh, we will work with them, case manage them, uh, find out about their particular situation, and then hopefully help them establish an income, help them with the application process as needed um, to find housing. Uh, my specific role with the House of Mercy is I'm a housing navigator. Um, so I'm directly responsible for kind of cultivating housing, um, conducting daily searches for housing. And then when people come in, directing them to those resources, also making a connection with landlords who are interested in helping people who need housing and working very closely with them to establish that relationship and hopefully pair up tenants and landlords um, where everybody can be successful. Okay. Lindsay, I know that you have done some work through making connections with House of Mercy. Anything that you would want to add? Yeah, like Greg said, House of Mercy has some really great programs that serve people in need. And through our partnership with them, we can truly provide wraparound supportive services to those um, that are most in need. And uh, you can learn about specific programs that the housing office has by taking a look back at our previous podcasts um, in the series. Um, and then our partnerships with other county departments are also extremely impactful when talking about helping people stay housed and identifying those who are staying outside. Um, our housing office falls under the Department of Social Services um, and is this is something that is not only unique but beneficial to uh, those that we serve. Um, it allows our housing staff to easily coordinate care when connecting those that are um, in need of mainstream resources and entitlement programs. Um, and then it truly allows our staff, our office to be a one-stop shop for anyone who has a housing crisis um, so that we can get them connected to resources. Having people like Jared, um, the assistant fire marshal to um, accompany us when we do our rural outreach is really impactful from many different lenses. And, and Jared, you absolutely, you have a different perspective than anyone else right now on the podcast. Can you share with yeah. us a little bit about what it is that you've experienced and what you are able to help with? Um, sure, I actually got thrown into it last year, last minute. Um, my partner, uh, he, had, he had planned on going as he, as he did for previous years, many, many years in a row. Um, he couldn't make it, asked if I would do it. I said, sure, no problem. He said, just, you're just out there. You need to provide a little bit of additional security. You know, it's dark, this and that. I said, great, no problem. Um, and, and it really turned out to be so much more. 
as Greg spoke about earlier, uh, really, really hit home. Um, just seeing the the diverse uh, group that was out there, um, it definitely doesn't hit just just one set of population. Um, young, middle aged, old, um, all different, you know, creeds and colors. Um, so it was it is amazing to to see the work being done. Um, and the benefit that they're receiving. So from uh, our office point of view, uh, because of the group allowing me to assist uh, with this great program, James City Fire Department was able to provide additional fire and health safety information to a group of citizens that live in an environment that is not what we are used to, that we otherwise wouldn't be able to reach. Um, we attempted to educate this group about things like uh, hypothermia, hyperthermia, dehydration, um, in addition to carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, some things that people don't think about is they're, they're trying to stay warm, so they use devices that keep them warm. Some of those are fuel burning devices inside of an enclosed tent um, or whatever structure they may, may be using temporarily. Uh, we're able to educate this group about fire safety for those fires that they start for warming, for uh, heating food, um, and how to keep those fires from spreading to, you know, other lands or buildings or anything else like that. Um, and again, with the appliances that they may use inside the temporary home for heat. So this is truly a community and countywide partnership that you all have. I mean, and it is truly, as you've just said, a lot of experience or examples that could result in life or death. And the fact that you all are able to work out there together to share this information has got to be invaluable to the community. I believe so. So would you agree with that as well, Lindsay? Yes, I definitely would. Um, and you know, we, we recently provided our county police officers with resources and outreach kits to provide um, to those individuals that they come across who are experiencing homelessness. Um, and our office has also partnered with the Williamsburg James City County School Board to receive their support in writing a grant to provide housing solutions to families with school-aged children that are um, who are experiencing homelessness and are being served through the McKinney-Vento program. Um, and we hope to find out in June or July if the grant was approved. Um, and it's also important to acknowledge our librarians as an excellent source of information to those that are seeking resources. I can't say enough about how awesome it is that our county administration from the top all the way down is really invested in the well-being of those who live in our county and not just those who live in traditional homes, um, but those who are living in um, not so great circumstances like we've talked about. Uh, my experience working in other localities is that not every county or city has officials who are so aware and knowledgeable about what is happening in regards to housing and those who are experiencing homelessness. Um, I've never had a county administrator come out with us. This year we did, we were so lucky for that. And having somebody who is so trauma-informed like Jared assist us is really, really, um, it's refreshing and we're so grateful for that. Um, we're really lucky to have a proactive administration that prioritizes all citizens who live in the county. And I think that's really just one of the things that continues to make James City County so special. Well, and I, of course, have to echo that. And it's just amazing every time, you know, to realize what collaboration this is and that this doesn't just happen, that this is outreach that you all have done amongst each other and amongst others in the community. And I just think that it's amazing. Lauren, I know that, you know, 
that you're not like going on vacation for the next month and a half, that you've got probably a few things on the horizon for the housing office. Can you give us any information? Sure. Um, so throughout the year, like you alluded to, we do work diligently to keep those who we serve housed. Um, and we do this through a lot of partnerships, um, like we said, providing wraparound supportive services with um, our community partners like House of Mercy. Um, and then we also engage our landlords and our community partners are a humongous part of that. Um, so for example, tomorrow we're having a thank you event for our current landlords who continue to, to provide housing. Um, to those who are not only served by the housing programs, but also our community partners. And then in April, we have our annual landlord tenant rental fair. And this event is an opportunity for our current landlords, future and prospective landlords, renters, and then community partners to come together and to receive and exchange information. Um, our guest speakers at that event in April, prevent, uh, they present relevant information on current hot topics to everybody who attends. And this event is supported by the COC and it really benefits the community as a whole to provide additional housing resources and to continue to address um, homelessness and making it rare, brief and um, a rare, brief and non-reoccurring. Absolutely. What everybody on this screen right now is working towards. And I am just so honored that you all were able to take time out of your busy lives to come and explain to everyone a little bit more about what's going on. Um, I'm going to start you know, with you, Jared. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you were not called out that you were able to stay with us through the entire podcast. So again, Jared, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. We're here. And if you ever need fire department, we're call away. Good to know. Good to know. We also have Greg Riley from House of Mercy. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you very much for having me. And of course, Karen Griffith being able to give us a little bit of an insight as to what it's like on the rest of the peninsula and how we compare. Thank you so much. No worries, Renee. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. And of course, I cannot forget our friends, Lindsay and Lauren at the end for thank you so much for everything that you all do every day in this community. We are very, very fortunate to have you. Thanks, Renee. So glad to have you. Well, that about wraps up this episode of this episode. That about wraps up this episode of this week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please be sure to go to our website. We're at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you're going to find all of our episodes as well as a form that you can complete. Give us show ideas, comments, questions. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can absolutely send us a message through there. Or I'm going to have at the end telephone numbers and ways that you can get in touch with these great folks that are on our screen today. So once again, thank you all so much. And we will talk with you next time. Thanks, Renee.